We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus for a couple of years now because the Lord said, you know, I just return everything to me as the foundation. And in that, we've looked at, you know, knowing Jesus, knowing his mission. Now we're looking at his teachings. What are the teachings of Jesus? Well, he, he taught and demonstrated truth. That's the real reality. Uh, God is our Father. Father's kingdom is accessible now through the Holy Spirit. He taught in uh, regeneration with Nicodemus. You must be born again, John 3, 7. And then Jesus taught and modeled obedience, obedience to his father. So he's the pattern son. Now, this is important because if you've grown up in church or been in church for a while, we've heard a lot about obedience over the years. And uh, we need to look at it from a new covenant perspective. Thank God I'm not under Deuteronomy 28. (laughs) <laughs> you know, blessing and cursing, reward and punishment. If I don't do it right, I'm in big trouble. If you break the law in one instance, you're guilty of breaking all of it. We have to be able to rightly divide as new covenant believers what obedience looks like because we're not operating from a place of separation from God. And you know what else? You're not operating from a dead heart either. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says God has given you His Spirit. You have a new heart. So you not only have the mind of Christ in you, you have the obedient, and I'm talking about from a place of love, the obedient heart of Jesus Christ is in you. You say, Brother Steve, I just don't know about that. Yeah, I'm telling you, you love God more than you think you do is what I'm telling you. Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So you need to to walk in Him. You need to align with Him. Jesus is the pattern son as an obedient son as he would walk out obedience to his father. How many of you can find in scripture where he did it because he was terrified of his father? Anybody see that? Mortified. I'm talking about demonic fear. I'm not talking about reverence, the fear of the Lord. I'm talking about did Jesus obey his father because he was scared of him, tormented. Okay, Jesus is the pattern son. The same fear that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And you need to be relating to God the Father in the same way. Jesus, I cannot find anywhere where he was thinking, all right, if I don't heal this leper, I bet the Father will burn Peter's house down. His mother-in-law is probably in there too and burn, burn her up. It's silly, right? How about reward and punishment? Was that Jesus' motivation? Like, you know, I think I should multiply the loaves and the fishes because, you know, if I do, I bet the Father will get us a new, a new car. New, you know, a new house, maybe. New treasury box for the ministry. You know, if I'll, if I'll do this miracle, then God will reward me. He didn't relate to the Father that way. He and the Father are one. John 10, 30, He and the Father are one. He's never was Jesus' obedience from a place of separation. And separation theology plagues the body of Christ today. People don't see the new birth. They don't see the new creation. They don't see that when you got born again, you became a brand new person. Christ moved in on the inside of you. You say, brother, where do you get this? Colossians 1.27, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So you're not dancing and performing and trying to obey God so you can get something from Him. Or you don't obey God uh, because He might burn your barley fields down. Amen. Obedience should never be from a place of separation or independence from God. Imagine this thought. Well, I don't have time to love you today, Bill, because I'm on my way to obeying God. 
I'm busy obeying God. I can't love you today. Sally, sorry about that. I'm busy doing God's work, so I really can't, you know, love on you today. And we laugh, but does that sound familiar? There's a parable about it. The parable of the Good Samaritan. The priest and Levite are walking past a half-dead man with the thought, I cannot love you today. I cannot show compassion. I can't reveal who God is to you because I'm on my way to the temple. I'm obeying God and i got to get to the church on time. But I don't have time for you. That's a separation mindset. How about Luke 18, 9 through verse 14? Jesus tells the parable to those who trusted in themselves they were righteous. And you got two guys who went to the temple. Remember, one guy said, Lord, I thank you. This is his prayer. He prayed to himself, it says. Lord, I thank you. I'm not like that guy. And guess what he said? He said, I tithe and I fast. Are those things in Scripture? Yeah, they're, they're in Scripture. So he's, he's being obedient. But Jesus said, you're not justified. Why isn't he justified? Because his heart is wrong. And if you want to be a new covenant believer, you better get your inside straight, not your outsides. If you'll get your inside straight, the outside will become clean, Jesus said. Somebody give God praise this morning. Amen. we got to get our inside straight through Christ. We fell from the outside in, but we've been redeemed from the inside out. So he's not justified because his heart was wrong. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, these people honor me with their lips. But what? Their heart is far from me. Everything in the new covenant is about the heart. True obedience will never be accomplished by law or obligation. True obedience happens from a heart that's been awakened by the love of God. Everybody hear that? True obedience. See, the Pharisees, they would justify themselves because they weren't sleeping with their neighbor's wife. But Jesus came and said, I see something in your heart that's equally as evil. True obedience comes from a heart that's been touched and turned and, listen to me, responds to God. Responds to God. I've got a slide up here I want to throw up here. Let's see. There it is. In the New Covenant, we're not under obligation to obey, but rather we are under inner compulsion, persuasion, Remember, he's in birthing faith in you if you listen. Romans 10, 17, there's faith in his rhema word to you. What he whispers to you has faith in it. So he's supplying grace. He's supplying faith to you. All that's left for you to say yes. So we're not, we're, we're not under obligation to obey, but rather we're under inner compulsion and persuasion from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's why I love this slide background that Seth picked out. It's relational. New covenant obedience comes from a relationship with God. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And in John 15, 14, just flip it, He said, uh, When you do what I ask, you're my friends. So love and friendship is what we're obeying out of. Not to score points and not so He doesn't kill us. I mean, He lives inside of you. How much does He love you? Boy, and he showed me this this week, John 14, 15. He said, Steve, say it slow. 
So I did. If you just love me, you'll keep my commands. And I was arrested. I said, Lord, teach me then how to love you. Because if you teach me to love you, I know I'll just inherently keep your commands. And he took me to 1 John four nineteen, and he said, you'll love well if you'll let me love you first. Don't ever start with you, Steve. In obedience, don't start with you. Start with me. Yeah, the part about don't start with? Okay. He said, don't start with you, Steve. Start with me. Loving obedience comes from my love for you. My obedient heart to the Father is in you, and I'll teach it to you. If you learn to love me, if you'll let me teach you to love me, you'll keep my commands. It'll be the byproduct. It's not an ultimatum. Yeah. It is abide ways work. So as I'm connected to love, I become a loving person. Ways means His ways. His person is formed in me as character traits. And then through me comes love for God and love for people. So Jesus is the pattern son. Let me submit this to you. Jesus, remember when He washed the disciples' feet in John 13? He didn't do that... uh, solely because he loved those disciples. It's a beautiful, you know, portrait. He did it because he loves his father first. Now hear me. He died for everybody in this room and he loves every one of you. But what if I told you his primary motive was love for his father? And out of love for his father, he died for all of you and he loved you well. You gotta, you gotta listen to me. It really began with love from his father, out of relationship with his father. That's why he's able to walk out obedience so well. What we tend to do is we focus on, oh, I need to love my neighbor. He didn't say love your neighbor with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He said love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And out of that, you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you'll begin with, love for the Father, you won't start qualifying who deserves your love. It's not about what they're doing. You're being obedient to love people because you love your Father. Does that make sense? We end up qualifying who we're going to love because we're not starting with loving God with all our heart, all our soul and all all of our mind. Amen. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Romans 6.17 says, You were once slaves, but thank God you've become obedient from the heart to the teachings you've heard. True obedience comes from a heart that's been touched and responded to God's love. Did you know the word heart is in the new... This word for heart, if you eat it, is cardia. Heart, mind, inner self, your intention. It's the center of your being. It's in the New Testament over 800 times. Not once is it talking about your organ. Not once. Now, I think there's something for us to see there. (laughs) People say, man, I look at the Beatitudes. He said, Sylvia, he said, you know, to 
pray for those who persecute me and people who insult me, I need to turn the other cheek and they demand a mile, I'm going to go with them too and give to him who asks of you. Don't ask, if you're lending out money, don't even ask for it back. People look at that and say, there's no way I can do that. You want to know why? Because we're looking at people. You've got to look at the Father first. It's your love for the Father. This is how Jesus was able to carry out all the gruesome things He walked through. It started with love for His Father. And that empowered Him to love people well. And all that goes back to when, I, when He showed me, He said, Steve, say it, say it real low, or real slow. If you'll just love me, you'll keep my commands. And so I said, Jesus, teach me to love you. Let me love you first, 1 John 4, 19. And then he took me to Romans 5, 5. The love of God, which is what we all desire, has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is your teacher, Steve. He's teaching you to love. If you'll focus on love. Doesn't Romans 13 say something about love as the fulfillment of the law? Love is ultimately where it lands. The word Shema was mentioned earlier. It's in Deuteronomy 4, 6. And I'll just put it up here. Real quick, Deuteronomy 4, 6, or sorry, 6, 4. I'm sorry, 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the word here is Shema. It's so funny. They didn't have another word for obedience because they, they literally thought it was absurd that if the God of the universe told you something, they assumed you'd do it. That God expected you, if you heard Him, you would do it. That's what this word means. I literally heard Him. I heard Him, so I did it. Hear and obey. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. There it is, with all your heart, your soul, your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your, in your heart. Now, I ate this passage, which is loads of fun. I encourage you to do it. All your heart. Verse 5 is your inner man. It's your will, your heart, and mind. Love God with all your inner man. Your heart and mind. And then your soul is your living being. It's yourself. Listen to this. It's love God with all your passions and appetites. That's what the word soul means there in the Hebrew. And then strength. I love this one. Extreme muchness. (laughs) That's the word. Extreme muchness. Excess muchness. So verse 5, he's saying, love God with extreme, complete, and utter devotion. And you know what's amazing? The people he's writing that to didn't have the Spirit shed abroad in their heart and they didn't have a brand new heart either. You do. You're you're primed and ready to walk this out. Those guys weren't even born again when he's asking this of them. All right, one more. Luke 6, 46. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? (laughs) I mean, we're Christians, right? We're Christ followers. We believe Jesus is Lord. Does our life really reflect that? Because Lord means boss, chief decision maker, chief in charge. Do you, re- you do realize Lord is not an honorary title for Jesus. <laughs> it's actually who He is. And, and it's actually His function. <laughs> Literally, His function in your life. Jesus is Lord. Not that He gives us options every day and we choose a few that we want to do. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, oh my. Amen or oh my right there. 
I'm going to say it again. Jesus is Lord is not an honorary title for Jesus. It actually is who he is. And as Christ followers, I would think we would be the ones that would go to bat for that theology. Jesus is Lord. Now, look at what he did in the new covenant. He put the spirit of the boss, the Lord, on the inside of you. He put the boss on the inside of you. You can absolutely walk out lordship. Because 2 Corinthians 3.17 says the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there's liberty. There's freedom. You're free from entanglements and self-destruction when He's lording. What does that mean? It means Jesus thought it was a bad idea for you to govern your life. (laughs) And I bet everybody in this room could bear witness to that reality. (laughs) Jesus thought it a bad idea for Steve to be in charge of himself. So He put the absolute owner inside the highest authority inside (laughs) thank god (laughs) it's funny that we would think god wants just to give us some information you know here's the truth sylvia totally up to you if you want to do it or not yikes no he really wants us to do it remember last week i told the the marvelous example of the teenager whose mom said, will you clean your room? And he did a Bible study on it. He studied seven Greek words on clean, six Greek words on room. Went to seminary to study how to be a good room cleaner, but he's still never done it. (laughs) I remember John Wimber back in the, when, when he first came to Christ, his buddy took him to church. John had never been to church, but he had been reading the red in the scripture. He was reading the New Testament. And he's reading all about Jesus. And he asked his buddy, he said, Hey, when are we going to do this stuff? And he's like, What stuff? What are you talking about? He said, <laughs> He said, When are we going to do this stuff, you know, that Jesus talked about, that Jesus did? It's in the red letters in the Bible. He said, Oh, we don't do the stuff. <laughs> now, we talk about the stuff. And we'll teach about the stuff. We pray about the stuff. We sing about the stuff. And even said, Sometimes we cry about the stuff. But we don't do this stuff. (laughs) Guys, the executor, the boss, the executive producer of God's will is on the inside of you. He wants to do the stuff. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, John 16, it's better that I go away. Are you kidding me? Why? Because if Christ were still here, there'd just be one of him. But now we've got Christ multiplied inside every person here sitting in a chair. It's better I go away. Because now the one who executes... The will of God is on the inside. Scott, you guys can come. I told you I wouldn't keep you long. Let me finish verse 47, 48. Uh, So he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, don't do what I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Well, he's like a man building a house who dug deep. Did everybody see that? See, I thought digging deep was when I went scholarly and I studied for hours on end uh, the Hebrew word of praise, for example. No, digging deep is when you hear what he said and you do it. You want to be a deep follower of Christ? Then you know where he's taking us? He's normalizing obedience. Now hear hear what I'm saying. Yeah, acclimating, synchronizing, normalizing, synchronizing. What was the other one? And acclimating us to obedience. We've been too long normalized to disobedience or sin, those things, even though we're born again. And he, like he told me, he said, Steve, I, I really am glad you know that I love you even when you disobey me. That is very important because I grew up in church circles where I didn't know if he was going to kill me if I didn't obey him. 
So he said, it's good you know that I'm with you forever. I'll abide with you forever. Even when you disobey me, I still love you. I'm glad you know that. But he said, can we move on from there to the benefits of you obeying me? Because it doesn't benefit me or you for you to just disobey me. (laughs) Will you walk upon the way with me? (laughs) So he's normalizing obedience in us. Uh... The last thing as I read these, you know, I talk about digging deep is hearing what he says and obeying it. Jesus says here that adversity and the winds and all that will come to everybody's house. You see that? Doesn't just come to bad people's houses. Even if you hear his word and do what he says, it's coming to your house. The difference is who has the strength and the resource to withstand what goes on in this world. And it's the ones who not just hear who act upon what he says. Last one, Proverbs 4. This is such a great passage. Um, help me, Holy Ghost. There it is. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your... If you read the parable of the sower this afternoon, it's about the heart, the condition of the soil of your heart to receive. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body i love there's one translation that says god's word for your body is radiant health you're made to do what he asks he knows how life is to be lived and then i love this one from jesus luke 11:27. jesus spoke these things a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you verse 28 but he said more than that blessed are those who hear the word of god and keep it Will you stand with me? But again, and we're just getting started on this. We'll spend a little time on this. From a new covenant perspective, you're not under obligation. True obedience doesn't come from the law. Do this or else. It comes from a heart that's completely turned and yielded, touched by God, and now responding to the love of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I do not know Jesus Christ. But I want to begin this journey that I see you guys on. I I see people in this room that are alive in Christ. And I want to start this journey. I want to know Him. And I want to receive Him into my heart. The soil of my heart needs life. And I know that Christ is life. So if that's you, will you slip your hand up and say, Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to be born again. I want to receive Christ in my heart anybody anyone it's the greatest decision you can make as a human being you're made for him he is not the uphill way he is the way amen gather church will you just open your hands with me open your hands open your hearts just a sign of surrender heavenly father as we begin this uh this journey and continue even this journey on obedience We want to do it from a right heart. We want to do it, Lord, from the obedient heart of Christ that you've given us. Lord, so many here, they love God more than they realize. They just haven't been able to access and acclimate to who they are by the Spirit. I, I pray that you show them who they really are, what they really have, what they're capable of as a son of the living God. I bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's worship.
reminded of James 4.4, and this is out of the Passion, just when Steve was talking about obedience becoming familiar. You know, uh, living in the kingdom of self is very familiar to a lot of us, right, instead of the kingdom of God. And so James 4.4 says, you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Think about that. Like that has become their natural thinking because they're thinking and living in the natural instead of in the kingdom of God. They're living in the kingdom of self. And so I just was reminded of that when you were talking about that. And uh, when I said earlier about uh, the prophets will keep prophesying until somebody builds something, what he showed me is that word builds is obedience, which is the same scripture that he just Um, shared about building your house on the rock like if you build your house on the rock you're building something that's solid that will last that is built in truth right but building um something uh that's foolish will not last right and so until you start building something that will last the lord's going to keep speaking the same thing until uh until your heart aligns with that obedience right He also mentioned um, if you eat this word, so those of you that have no clue what he's talking about, or you have heard that language, but you don't know how to do it, uh, tonight at 630 in the fellowship hall, we have our um, eat the word. And the scripture that they are getting into is fantastic tonight, all about us being sons and him being our Abba, and uh, it's going to be powerful. So if you're interested in coming Please sign up so they can be prepared for you. You can find that online. And thank you for the prayers for our trip, for traveling mercies, for their hearts. Um, I know it's going to have to be good because the amount of warfare that I've had internally uh, the last couple of weeks with depression. And um, even today I told Brian, I'm just sad this morning. Like I wasn't sad. Nobody could tell I was sad. Like it was all just like this war going on inside. And when I visited with Christy a couple of days ago, who um, is a girl that walked with me in discipling for a while, it's Gideon and Didis's daughter that helps run the ministry doing the youth camp and stuff. And she said uh, just a few weeks ago, they had a very, very young teen in their community jump off of a bridge and a bunch of their teens saw it some filmed it you know they're passing the video around different things like that and so this comes out of the same high school the public high school that uh, i get to speak at as well as several of the campers so if you can just be praying for um like those principalities of their origin of their original design to be broke off of them that's my heart and praying for that so yeah and also that we all for uh joyfully enjoy our 14-hour flight. Two teenagers, 14 hours on a plane in a small little seat. Christy and the fact that she has mothered boys will be my godsend. So anyway, all right, I'm going to pray for you guys. Father, we thank you um, for who you are. And Father, we thank you for who you've created us to be. And um, we say yes to building an obedience instead of building a really stupid looking house in disobedience. We say yes to that. 
but we also pledge that we will not do it in our own strength because that is foolish. We will do it living connected to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great day.